1: If I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today.
0: Stallion, when you were a kid, I know you did it. We all did it. Did you ever have a moment where you're like, oh, my dad's better than your dad or my mom's better than your mom? Oh, yeah. My mom
1: will beat up your mom. Like
0: that?
1: <laughs> well, I've never had the, my mom will beat up your mom. But,
0: you know, my mom makes a better game than your I'm mom. I'm just kidding, mom.
1: I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm riding the other day with uh, Betsy. She's my 13-year-old. And she was telling me about a conversation with her little friend at gymnastics. And, and the little girl was like, nobody um, who lives in Chelsea has any money. And, and the little girl didn't know that we lived in Chelsea, right? So Betsy's like, what? We live in Chelsea. We got money. And she's like, well, nobody in Chelsea is rich. And she's like, well, we're rich. You know, like she's just like in this back and forth, you know? <laughs> and she's like, well, only people who are rich are people who make more than $570 an hour. Where in the world does a 13-year-old come up with, five? I mean, very specific now, super $570 weird. an hour. So Betsy looks at me in the car and she goes, Dad, do you make $570 an hour? Because <laughs> <laughs> I told her you did. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so funny, man. Like he, oh. You know, the, the concept is, it's like, well, here's the key is that. What if I only had to work two hours a week, <laughs> and I and, and I made a hundred or I made a thousand, uh, eleven hundred and forty dollars? Then I'd make five hundred seventy dollars an hour, right? You'd be rich, <laughs> based upon that math. <laughs> Right. Yet we know people who make a million dollars a year that work eighty hours a week. Right? They make a lot less than that. So it's just funny. And the kids come up with the craziest of information, just like we did today's podcast. Though, is to focus on who should be teaching our kids personal finance. Stallion, what's a big takeaway for you from this podcast that someone's going to get, and why is this so important for them to learn right now? Well, I mean, here's the thing:
1: I don't have to tell you how important this is. Because you tell us every time you get on the call with us that I just never learned these things growing up. Nobody taught me. I didn't have parents who invested in me because they didn't know. It wasn't because they were holding back. It wasn't because they had all this like, you know, vast financial knowledge that they just didn't share with me. They just didn't know themselves. And what's important to you, our tribe, is that you not only get this information and you make a change and you get to financial freedom, but that you have something to pass along, a legacy that is will change the trajectory of generations. That is what you're going to get from today's call with these coaches. And you're gonna get practical things, like activities that you can do with your kids today, things that you can implement that will make a difference and the ripple effect will continue to, um,
0: to be a part of your family's generations. Man, I, I love that. N- nothing else to say there. It, you, you know why you need to listen to that stallion. Pull your chair up to the table. Let's
2: belly up.
3: Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast
0: Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so that you can more easily understand them, and more importantly, take action on your path to becoming financially free. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy, mostly because lack of follow-to-guy just didn't sound so cool. But enough about me for a moment. Let me introduce you to my co-host, my partner. He's the Italian Stallion. He's got the license plate covered to prove it, Mr. Joe Murray. Stallion, Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, Russ. Always, always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, bro. I'm
0: I'm, I'm glad. Today we get to talk about something that's near and dear to our heart. But I want to know who should be teaching our kids personal finance. Thankfully, we're not the only one here sitting here. We got the dream team of financial coaches. To my left, I got Mr. Incredible. His superpower is speed to financial freedom. And the real beauty is that speed is contagious. My man, J.D. Hill. Say hello to your fans, J.D., Hey
4: fans, uh, nobody ever waves back, so I'm always <laughs> like waving. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. There we go. Uh, I'm always, you know, wondering if people actually wave on the other end of these airwaves, uh, cause I'm actually waving for those that are listening. Um, this is a, this is an interesting topic and I'm, I'm excited to, to get into it. Uh, cause I think we're all, I say, I think I know we're all going to have our own little perspectives and insights just based on our experience and our upbringing and those types of things. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm excited to, hey, Keish, uh, to, to jump
0: into this. Hey, tell, tell me, why do you think this is so important for us to be covering, though? We cover a lot well, of things, but why is it so important for us to cover? Well, so I, I love what,
4: what Joey said in um, and, and coming at it from a biblical perspective, because I think that's the, the right framework to come at it from. Uh, but it's interesting. I saw a stat recently that said that it took the average family 64 hours of work to pay rent last month, oh wow, the average family had to work over sixty four hours to pay rent last month, which is just staggering to me and um you know i'm I'm reminded of a of a quote uh which I think is interesting because we'll get into obviously who is in charge of teaching our our kids and us personal finance but um vodebachham he uh has this wonderful quote he says uh we cannot continue to send our kids to Caesar for their education and they be surprised when they come home as Romans. Hmm. And I think, I think that's powerful because, I mean, what 32 trillion, 23 trillion, how many trillion dollars of debt? Uh, 32. is, is our, How many? 32. 32, $32 trillion dollars of debt the, the United States government is in. And they're the ones that are in charge of teaching our children personal finance right now.
5: Uh,
4: wow.
0: Yeah. You guys are coming off the top rope. I'd say that's pretty important. We need, we, we need to know this. So let, let me get around the table here. To my <laughs> right, the retiree of the group, Mr. Catch Me If You Can. When he's not killing bears with his bare hands. He's spear diving for tuna. He's dropping gold nuggets right here. The
2: one and only, Mr. Mark Cargucci. Welcome, Mark. Good afternoon. You know, if, if everyone's jumping off the high rope, I'm going to take a page out of my hunting trip, and I'm going to commando roll underneath the barbed wire here, uh, like we had to do to get past one fence. And say that there's a reason it's called personal finance. There's a personal in there. If you are expecting other people to fill this in for you, then you've already failed. Your your parents definitely need to be involved in getting you started. But if you're not taking ownership of understanding finance and understanding how to manage money and flow it through your own system, then then you really are becoming a ward of the state and you're expecting someone else to do it for you. And it's just not going to happen.
0: Mm, man. So good. Wow. Hey, let's get over to your right. The piano man. I'm sure he has an opinion. The piano man has us in the mood for passive income. You got a scene as the light, Mr. Matthew Hammond. Welcome back, Matthew.
5: Uh, thank you, Russ. Always happy to be here. Yeah. Russ, uh, JD kind of stole my thunder. Um, when, he, uh, mentioned the, uh, <laughs> when he mentioned the, when uh, he mentioned the government debt, but yeah, I don't know if I'm comfortable with my son learning personal finance from a government that is $32 trillion in debt. And when they run out of money, they just print more, which is probably not the best lesson to teach our children. Otherwise they will be going to jail for counterfeiting. But you know, if, if I'm not comfortable with the government teaching my son, then I feel like the, uh, the, the duty falls on me. Mm. And, uh, the reason the reason I feel like it's so important to teach our kids, because I, I think back when I was a kid and if I learned personal finance when I was a kid, I, I can only imagine how much farther along my financial freedom journey I would be than I am right now. Um, even though I am happy where I am, I feel like I could be so much farther along if I knew it at an earlier in age. So I'm trying to trying to teach my son a lot sooner so that he can get ahead of the game here
0: yeah i mean how many times stallion are we on podcasts and they the podcast host will ask that question like hey what would you tell your younger self right what would you go back and do differently and it's like is everything the answer like i mean there's (laughs) just so many opportunities for us to have enhanced it well we can't go back but yet we can as you said mark earlier we can help those who we are training who are looking up to us for answers to give them the information so that they don't have to experience all those mistakes but let's let's get mr birmingham uh the king of birmingham mr real estate he's agnostic to its type as long as it produces cash flow the multi talented jamie o'brien's in the house today good to see you jamie good to be here russ always a pleasure and to see all your beautiful faces here as well man, thank you. I I only have one, but I appreciate you, you know, Hey, let's talk about the rest of the group, you know, but I mean, there could be some split personality in there. You never know. (laughs) Hey, you know, no no doubt. I I have to pay uh, for the uh, additional driver fee every time I rent a car for that. That's right. All right. Tell, tell me, Jamie, why is this so important? Why are we covering this subject today?
6: Man, this is so important. And, and personally, to me, just because of my whole experience, was I'm sure we'll get into here in a little bit, is, you know, we all want to take care of our children, right? And we want to give them this great life. And we want to make sure that, you know, they live better than we did and pass it along. And and my parents did a great job of that. However, I never learned how money worked. And I never learned the value of money. And it took me learning, you know, someone said earlier from my own mistakes. And as Matthew said, if I would have known half of what I know now at a younger age, I could be so much further along. And I just think that's so important to me personally to teach my kids, you know, half of what I knew at 18 or what I know now at 18 to better help them start their world off, you know, on a, on a high foot.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, man, thank you for for jumping in there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring our last coach into the room. Uh, the the surgeon of the group. He's got a precision like approach to cash flow. He can diagnose problems before they occur just by looking at your financial statement. Mr. Automated Budget himself, Eric Huston.
3: Great to see you, Eric. Thank you, Idea Guy. So, uh, I don't think it's coincidence that my Initial statement was going to be, do we really want left-leaning institutions teaching our kids about money? Hmm. And then my computer shuts down. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'm just putting that out there.
0: Conspiracy theory, right?
3: Yeah. Ask me why I don't want left-leaning institutions to do that, Russ. Why do we not want left-leaning institutions to do that, Eric? Great question, idea guy because you can't give away what you don't have. Mm. I mean, do we want Auburn teaching people how to play football? No. Mm. Do we want <laughs> wellness? No, we do not. You, you got to stay, you got to give away what you've got. And so I think it is so important for parents to be intentional. And if you're a parent and you, you don't feel qualified in this area, Find someone who is, find a book, find a game to play, and use those as tools to teach those kids. I do, however, think that our schools should be teaching not philosophical or strategic financial lessons, but tasks like balancing a checkbook. Hopefully they can't mess that part up. Things like that I think they could teach and would be valuable. But, yeah, man, we we got to take this job on ourselves.
0: Yeah. I coming off the top rope. I had I was with you until that Auburn statement, but hey, look, I, I ah. get it. You know, kick 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 a brother when he's down, you know. A lot, love, a lot of love. Yeah. Hey, we're like the Phoenix um of universities. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Harvard of the West. It's the, it's the Harvard Phoenix. of the Internet, right? <laughs>
4: That's it. Go fighting Phoenix. Hey,
0: he, here's why I think that this is so important for us to be covering because right now the top choice for most kids there if you were asked them what do you want to be when you grow up the top choice is youtuber right influencer yes and i i think that we have gone to to a world where we we've allowed other people to influence our kids because they're watching youtube videos they're they're interacting on these games and we need to get kids involved in the day-to-day so Today, we're going to try to break this down as a lot of preaching to the choir, a lot of sermon going to happen here, right? I think some of this is going to be very right in line with probably what you've already said, and you're going to be like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, but we're we're not going to just, just give you some of the epiphanies and perspectives that we have. We're also going to try to give you some tactical activities that we have used or are using right now to help our kids educate themselves financially in a way that it's interesting, right? In a way that they would come to us and ask for things, ask for information on how to apply stuff. And there's some pretty cool stuff. So let's start, though, with some of the epiphany. Mark, you, you had an epiphany around this subject, matter, Will this year?
2: Yeah. When Monopoly, a game that we all know ends with somebody storming out of the room, <laughs> finally came out <laughs> and they they updated the game and they came out with a credit card version of the board game. So everybody had their own little credit card and you started, and there was a little reader and you punch your card in and it told you how much money you had. And then you can just go buy things and they would swipe and go and swipe and go. Um, when I saw that, I knew that we were doomed Mm. because if you are, if, if little kids are being indoctrinated to go through the credit card swipe cycle, why would they promote a credit card? In my opinion, they are promoting not paying attention to detail. They are indoctrinating them to just don't no, no, just go ahead and keep swiping. And, and you know what? If if it says no, then just go ahead and get get an extension and it'll it'll be okay. Don't even think about the ramifications of it. That yeah, it, was a concerning moment for me.
0: Kind of like the easy button, too, right? Like they're they're almost advocating not having to do the math. I mean, is it part of it? It's like I've got to count out $27 because I landed on um yeah, uh,
2: St. Charles Place or whatever. <laughs> I mean, come on. It, the, pain, the, the, the pain point of having to see physical dollars leave your possession. And if 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 you know how, how little cash you have in your hand, you get real real intentional about what you're trying to roll on the dice so that you can get past those those luxury apartment buildings that you don't want to land on. It, you know,
0: what's interesting about Monopoly, and I didn't think about this until uh, down the road of, of doing investing for a while, is I used to look at passing Go as an exciting time, right? Because when you pass go, you get $200. But when you realize every time you're passing go, it's just one more lap on trading time for money, right? Right. It's literally, it takes time to get around that board to get the paycheck at the end. And, you know, one of my daughters became really good at this because she could never get past the go, go straight to jail thing, but she, but she would buy, you know, she would be buying little properties between, um, go in jail and she'd end up in jail, but she didn't need, she didn't need to pass go because she was collecting every time somebody was landing on our property. And so we were able to use that as a, as a conversation piece. Now, Jamie, you also had an epiphany around this subject willing to share. I, I did. Absolutely.
6: So, you know, young kid finishing high school, go to college, finally out on my own. And, you know, I'd always worked, um, Throughout life, and I was working in the restaurant business, and so that was a very cash-heavy business, right? Had a credit card, we put big big expenses on. Did a ski trip with the boys every year, and what I learned is I could just swipe that credit card and just make that minimum payment. And over time, I learned that minimum payment does not get you ahead. In fact, <laughs> I was trading cash for fun, which led to be no fun at all when it finally caught up with me. And so that was an epiphany for me was that. Uh, back to to points earlier you've got to take personal responsibility and pay attention to detail on what you're spending otherwise you can find yourself in the hole very very quickly
0: and, and it's interesting we're talking about teaching personal finance to kids and I, I would say when we were all in college when you were probably at uh, the age in which you were doing all of that was either college or shortly thereafter we're still kids man oh, yeah. and and we're we're learning uh, through the means of getting access to Citibank and Chase, right? Like they're giving you those credit cards, and all of a sudden you went from having no money to a two thousand dollar credit line, and you're like, man, think of all the you know five dollar well drinks I can get for that, right? Like think about <laughs> think, think right. about think about the the clothes I can buy with this. Like this is amazing. And then like forty five days later, you're like. That went fast. Oh, yeah. That happened really fast. That escalated quickly. All right, let's, let's get a little more perspective on this. JD, share share a little light little on this subject for me. I,
4: Russ, I never thought you'd ask, so thank you. Um, so one of the things that I've continually taught, um, you know, my family, my boys, is uh, value creation is directly tied to wealth creation. So what I mean is, is that, in our house, we don't have chores. Uh, one because chores is a negative connotation, like it sounds awful. So we've taught our boys that we have contributions and we want them to understand that they are contributing to the entire home. So we're all carrying our own weight, we're all contributing to the extent that we can. And in order for them to earn money, so we don't make money, we earn it, right? They have to add value to the home. And so we call those contributions. And what's interesting is as my kids have now gotten older. Uh, especially my oldest, he's now getting to, he's hes eight, he's almost nine. He'll ask like, dad, what are some things that I can do around the neighborhood to add value so I can earn more money? And it's just, it's its interesting because he's starting to associate value creation to earning money. And, and there isn't enough of, of, of that. I think in, in school today, whether it's in college or whether it's in grade school or junior high, it doesn't matter what it is. Nobody's teaching about abundance. We're always learning about scarcity right? We're always learning how to retract and stop spending or cutting back. We're not learning how to expand and grow. And uh, what really hit this for me was at one point in my my, early on in my career, uh, I had a managing partner that told me one time, because I was always stressed about money. If anybody's ever been stressed about money, I think all of us here can say we've all been stressed about money. And he told me, he said, JD, you don't have an expense problem. You have an income problem. And that totally changed everything for me. It changed my entire paradigm, paradigm, my entire perspective to stop looking at things from what can I cut out, but what can I do to add more value to create more? Uh, because the more you create, right, people will pay for that. Um, so th- that's just some things that I've, you know, from a perspective standpoint that I've, I've tried to teach my kids uh, that has then transcended obviously into business and, and all those types of things.
1: Russ, I remember my dad specifically say to me, Joey, You got to go to college. I don't want you to end up like me. And you know what my dad was saying is in order for things to change, things have to change. You can't end up just like me.
0: Well, I think, I mean, we, we, as parents, sometimes we take on the burden thinking about our kids and and how we want something better for them. And we want to know what will their future look like if I don't take action, if I don't do something different. See, in my
1: house, I'm the role model. You're your kid's role model. And the buck stops with you. It's time to take action. If you're ready to take action, join us at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport and get started on your own journey to financial freedom. All right, let's jump back into this episode.
0: That's so good. You don't have an expense problem. You got an income problem. I think a lot of people probably resonate with that, right? But it's so easy to try to go after the expenses but Mike McCallowitz, we've had him on our show a few times, Joe. You remember him saying this. Like people go into trying to cut back fat and and they they keep cutting. And what do they end up getting into? They get into the muscle. Yeah. Right. And and they 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 don't realize that production has to be a part of it. Eric, Eric as long as you're not gonna beat up on me and my Auburn Tigers anymore, I'll let you back into the conversation. What what's your perspective on this?
3: Yeah, so Russ, back when I was very young. I went to summer camp uh, one week, and my mom, who took such good care of me, had packed my suitcase, carefully and lovingly packed all of my clothes, and just had everything perfectly in my suitcase. And when I came back from summer camp a week after that, she opened my suitcase, and my clothes were still packed exactly as they were when I left. And she said, son... How is it possible that your clothes still look like this? Did you not take a bath every day and change clothes? I was like, Mom, I didn't need to take a bath every day. I swam in the pool and in the lake every single day so baths were not needed. And so my mom (laughs) made a special point of helping me understand why it was important to take a bath every day if I wanted to keep and maintain friendships. (laughs) And so we take the time on some level to make sure our kids don't make the same mistakes that we did, or they. Uh, we teach them to do things that's going to cause them pain down the road and how to avoid that by doing things the right way. And um, the epiphany to me was, I don't know why we stop that um, when it comes to finances. I don't know if we're intimidated by it or because it takes um, some real time to think that through and commitment to do that. But I, I just, I think about the mistakes we let them make in that area that we wouldn't let them make in other areas. Man, I think it's critical that we uh, get more involved.
0: Yeah, oh, man. So good. I, I mean, I think if, if our kids would quit playing call of duty and start playing Cash Flow, right. They'd have a whole different perspective, of what it's like in in the real world right that our heads are down my, my my kids are playing this little game where they build cupcakes i forget the name of it but um I, i'm always trying to figure out what they're doing well they're they're figuring out what are the cost of the the you know ingredients and then they have to on the little game take it around to the shop and they'll be able to sell it and they're learning math but they're learning in an interactive way and half the time she has my son learning math out on the trampoline right like he's counting his flips and multiplying and dividing <laughs> you know like kid, kids learn a lot of different ways and uh, i think it's interactive uh, that they they can learn more matthew what's your perspective on this
5: So before I really got into investing uh, full-time, I was a big gambler and uh, I played uh, blackjack and poker uh, a lot. And, um, and I lost a lot (laughs) and I always wondered like, why, why am I losing so much money? And, you know, I sit in these casinos, I sit at these tables and, you know, I'm just throwing chips in the middle of the table, just bet after bet after bet. And I was thinking, you know, I wonder why casinos don't let me just use my cash. Why do they have to make me purchase chips? And I was thinking about it, you know what, it's, it, you have an emotional attachment to your cash, just like what Mark said, uh, when he was talking about playing uh, Monopoly, you know, it, it's a pain point to, to pay out a $20 bill every time you got <clears> to <throat> make a bet or buy a property. But with poker chips, or or even uh, credit cards, you know, credit cards are basically the same thing. We just, for whatever reason, society, we just do not have an emotional attachment to credit cards or poker chips or whatever it is and so we're just freely just throwing money away because we just we just we just lose that perspective and the money that's behind those chips and that's behind that credit card or debit card and so i, I think if we if we teach our kids if we teach our kids that that perspective that there is in fact money there is cash finite mm-hmm. amount of money behind those those things that you're throwing away I think they'll be able to appreciate it a lot more um, as they're, as they're, you know, making purchases or, or making decisions on purchases and stuff.
0: Well, I, I don't know if, if Mark Hargucci is paying you guys to talk about all this cash that you need to be dealing with because of all of his ATM invested investments out there or not, but I, I'm hearing a theme, but, but to your point, it's like we need those. Our kids to have an understanding of the cost associated with it. But I'm going to go with you, JD. I think you're the winner on this one, on the perspective column. Here, here's how we can do it without just cash. You associated it to time, which I think is really cool. At the very one of your first statements, you said the average person spent 64 hours in order to pay the rent last month. That's really interesting, right? If if we associate everything we're purchasing with how much time did it take us to pay it per month or per week or whatever, it would help us understand, well, is this decision getting me closer to or further away, right? Like whenever we start thinking about what the cost of time is, we get going. Let's get practical, Stallion. You ready to get practical with the, the? Let's give some activities that we have done and are doing with our kids that can help them better understand personal finance. So, would you say these are practivities? <laughs> I don't know if I'd say that I'm, or not.
1: I'm I'm gonna go ahead and coin that term if it hasn't been made. Um, but yeah, so so let's just say there's a couple things. Number one, I think using a resource to help you teach your kids personal finance is one of the greatest first steps because most, I mean, let's face it. You can tell your kids one thing and then some other objective third-party source tells them the exact same thing. They actually listen to it from the other source. Right. Am I right? So uh, one of the things that, you know, know, Russ and I reported on in the podcast is that we had our teens go through rich dad, poor dad for teens. You've heard rich dad, poor dad, the big purple Bible. That may be a little bit you know, too far ahead for your 13-year-old or your 12-year-old or whatever the case may be, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad for Teens was written in a way that was very conversational, very easy to understand, and it just gave us the, the excuse to have a conversation. I think that's super important. Russ, you mentioned cash flow for kids or cash flow, the game, the, the adult version of the game. Again, both really good resources that get the conversation started. But the most, I'd say, impactful thing that I have seen so far is to start a business with your child. Mm. Um, uh, My oldest has started a land flipping business. I'm literally being in there while she's making phone calls. I'm recording her doing sales calls to people on 60 acres in Texas. Like she just closed on a 60 acre parcel in Texas. And it was something we got to celebrate together. And she, she's having fun creating a business. And my 14-year-old is helping me run the back end of a hundred unicorns right now. Like we're revamping some things on the website. She's getting to be a part of it. She's like spending hours on this thing. And she's just like, this is so fun, Dad. And so again, having a practical thing is, um, you know, starting a business with them and and just using that as your as your ability to have a conversation.
0: Ah, so good, man. There's so many back end conversations I could have about those hundred unicorns, but I know what you're talking about. Hey, you just wait, you just wait. <laughs> Matthew, what what's an activity that you've been able to to do that that has been able to help teach your son more about personal finance? So
5: there, there's a. There's a stigma as y'all are well, well aware that, um, that you just do not discuss your finances with your kids. You always got to keep them in the dark and for whatever reason, society has been taught that over all these years. And, uh, so we're just, it's ingrained in our minds. We don't want to share our financial, uh, our financials with our, with our children. And, um, and I decided to push back on that mentality. And, uh, so now, especially with investing, um, my wife and son and I, we have family discussions and we're 100% open and honest with him as far as what we're investing in, how much we're investing, the returns on those investments. We're we're keeping him engaged in these conversations because I've learned and I see it every time we have these discussions, I've learned that that the more engaged he is, the more interested he is, the the more uh, motivated he is to learn these finances. And so that, that's my goal is just to, as an activity, is just to keep keep my ch- keep my son engaged in the personal finances and in investing so that he just continues to learn and, and continues to stay motivated.
0: Oh, so good. Hey, here's, I'm going to share one with you. This, uh, my 17-year-old, when she, you know, she started her short-term rental business, that's how she was able to to pay for the, the car payment for her first car. And she's replenishing her infinite banking loan um, from the cash flow of that and paying the loan back on the car note from that. And that any extra that she gets, that's what she she has um, to spend. And you know she gets a little bit from the salary for helping me with all the marketing stuff that she does. And early on, I made a huge mistake. I, I, none of you would ever make such a stupid mistake, but I just never gave her access to her debit card. And I was depositing this 800 something dollars a month into that account. That was her uh, payment for, for working in the marketing company. But I, I knew that, Hey, a portion of that money is going to be associated to pay her, her, um, her insurance policies back portion of it was savings portion of it's tithe, and all these other things. But I just gave her this debit card. And she didn't know how much money was on there, and she didn't have any way, as you guys were already talking about with the credit cards, to associate their ending cost. And all of a sudden, um, I start looking through the statements, and I'm seeing these fast food bills for like $25 and $35. Well, my daughter is not eating that much food. I'm like, dang it. Here she is taking out all of her friends all the time to these places. It's it's okay to help a brother out even once in a while, but come on, man, you got to go Dutch. You got to pick up your own tab. You can't can't be just just riding uh, riding the wave there. And and so I I'm trying to figure out, man, where have I gone wrong? And it's like I I basically gave her an unlimited amount of money. I mean, Parkinson's law is is the time allotted uh, will be filled up uh, based upon the deadline given. And when you think about with money, if you have no limit, you will spend an unlimited amount of money. And so I I said, okay, we're going to fix this. We sat down and created a budget and I made her print out her statement. Mm. Which, When she had to print out the statement and then take it, And put it into an Excel because I was going to give her QuickBooks, make her create an Excel spreadsheet of what she was spending. How much was going to gas? How much was going to food? How much was going to clothes or whatever? You know, of course, there was always, "Well, Dad, that was a school expense," or you know, whatever. Okay, well, let's we're gonna we're gonna categorize that out. Well, Dad, why do we have to print this thing out and one? Why do I have to type it? Can't there be a little program that does all that for? Well, yeah, there's a program. But right now, you're going to learn how to do it. And that quickly became a chore to her. As you were saying, J.D., chore was a bad word. But she was having to type out these 100, you know, items that were on that list. And immediately, what does our brain want to do? We want to make that list smaller. So I was (laughs) creating a way to do that. But then I gave her a budget. Then I said, all right, here is how much you have to spend. And... It was, it was really fun to watch her the next month. We were like two days from the end of the month, and she's texting me, Dad, I only have 10 miles on my gas tank, and I don't get money until the first. Is there any way I can get it in advance? Is there any way you can put just a couple of dollars in there? <laughs> right. So it, she she knew what the budget was, and I, I did her an injustice early on by not creating that, by not giving her the the chore to, to figure out how much she was spending. And when she saw that, it was like, Oh, wow. I didn't know it cost so much to do those things.
4: I think just to, real quick, just to, to go to that. I think that's actually a, a, a wonderful lesson. Uh, I don't think it was a burden or, or anything that you, you did. I think it was a great way to, to teach in a safe environment that's controlled. Um, Cause life is a great teacher. I, my kids hear me say that all the time. Uh, they fight and they get hurt. And I'm like, Hey, life's a great teacher. If <laughs> You guys don't want to hurt each other. Then don't fight. Right. Like um, you know, I guess I'm a little more free range in that respect, but I think, I think being able to allow your daughter to make that mistake, but you be able to come alongside her to help her see what the, what the mistake was and then she can learn from it instead of just you telling her, I think it's a phenomenal lesson to learn. I think it was great.
0: Thank you. Hey, Eric, you, you had a, a story about a grocery going grocery shopping.
3: Yeah, I, I think this could be pretty effective because it's something that has to happen so regular and likely from time to time your kids are already there with you. Is if you've predetermined what your grocery budget is, for example, let's say it's $200 and you've got your grocery list of things that, you know, must be purchased. We've got, maybe we've got to have milk. We've got to have bread. We've got to have sandwich meat. And as you go through the grocery store, I can even see taking your phone and using the calculator, and and talking about well, the, the milk's going to be four dollars, the the meat's going to be whatever. And as you go through the grocery store, you may have to make decisions on well, do we get the the most expensive bread that is there, or do we have to come down a little bit? Once we get all our necessities, do we have enough left to get some extras, you know, some sweets or whatever it might be to those things that make life more enjoyable? And I think that would be an outstanding way to teach your kids how to stay within a budget and also show how much things actually cost. And that, you know, those cookies or that cereal, that toy that they want from the um, grocery store, how it can impact the overall budget. I want to circle back sort of to what you said, Russ, and dovetail off what JD said, the opportunity to make safe mistakes, think about it like bowling. If you can put yourself, your family in a position where they can just bowl the ball and you can be those bumpers inside the, you know, inside the gutter. So they can bounce around all the way and they might knock one penny over pin over, they might knock two, they might knock them all over. But you've kept them out of the gutter. What a great way to learn, um, you know, how to manage those kind of things.
0: Wow. What a great example. All right. Final thought. I'm coming to you, Mark.
2: Final thought is I'm going to go back to where I started, which is personal finance is something that you personally have to be responsible for. Everything that you guys are talking about, teaching your kids, involving them, exposing them, it's not going to make that much of a difference if they don't see the value and they don't recognize their need to get engaged. Because Nelson Nash has said about the infinite banking concept, it can't be t- uh, taught, it has to be caught. And I think personal finance is gonna rank up there as well. When, when, when the next generation sees the value that we place on it, and they see the value of how it impacts them, they're gonna wanna learn as much about it as possible.
0: Mm, so good, Jamie, I don't know. Thought- Man,
6: my final thought is just, I'm getting excited just talking about this, about the future opportunity. I still have young kids, just the opportunity to really teach them how money works, how it flows, how finances work, and just better, uh, you know, better set them up for the
0: future. Matthew.
5: Yeah. I just go back to, to, to getting your kids involved in family discussions about investments. You know, my son, James, After we started uh, getting him involved and actually listening to his perspectives, um, he he was so engaged that he started to learn how to think out of the box. And he actually told me the other day, he's actually going off to college uh, next year. This is his last year in high school. And uh, he told me, he's like, you know what dad, rather than living in a dorm, how about we work on purchasing a a duplex and maybe I can live in one side and we can rent out the other side. And I was like, that's my boy. (laughs) So I think I think it's the the more you keep your kids involved, the more they learn how to think out of the outside of the box, and and the more creative they can get, is so much better than Call of Duty. I can tell you that right now.
0: <laughs> I love that, JD.
4: Um, I mean it's hard to top what I've already said, you know. Uh, like <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I want to. I I do want to clarify a couple of things. I I know I tend to 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 talk about, you know, abundance and versus scarcity, but that doesn't mean obviously not living within your means, right? We still have to be prudent and you have to, to obviously spend less than you earn. Uh, so I'm I'm certainly not advocating for, you know, going and being reckless. What I am advocating for though, is, uh, teaching your kids how to think abundantly, especially if that's something that you struggle with because so much of, 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 um, what is, what our kids pick up on is, is, is is how we model behavior, right? More is caught than taught, and so I think if you can teach them that and try to model and demonstrate that for them, you can start to make a generational shift uh, in your family um, with your kids today. So I just want to encourage everyone, just from that perspective, is is to the extent that you can be more abundant in your thinking, and you'll be amazed at how much that changes your perspective and your kids' perspective as well.
0: Stallion, final thought.
1: I am going to totally agree with what you just said, JD, but I'm going to take it one step further. You likely have your own lid on scarcity and abundance. You likely did not have a great role model. You likely did not have a money mentor growing up, uh, and you are subject to the same bad things that you you see going on in today's economy and today's world that you know your kids are being subject to. It's time to level up your own financial strategies, right? I can't tell you, um, we've been on some some 15-minute calls lately. The number of people who call in and say, man, I want financial freedom because I want to be free. But more importantly, I want my 13-year-old daughter to see me free and for me to be able to pass on the knowledge that I've gained so that she can start light years ahead of where I am. If that's you, you need the right community to be around, right? This is the, the, the inner circle or the passive income mastermind. They're for you because you can't just limit your impact on your kids to what knowledge you have today. It has to be expanded. Um, go and get on a 15-minute call with one of these coaches today, wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash free call and see how you can get plugged in to a community that will stretch you.
0: So good. I, I think you guys all nailed that so well. I, I got a chance to talk with my daughter the other day. We were doing our, our weekly breakfast. I'd take one of the kids out on Wednesday morning for breakfast and just have conversation with them. And I had a chance with my oldest. And she was just telling me about how she was taking this accounting class. And well, while she was doing really well because she understood the conversation because she had been playing the game cash flow, But also, one of the things that she mentioned to me, she said, Dad, you know, the problem is, is that they're trying to teach me um, what is an asset, and I know it's not right. (laughs) Because an asset is anything that puts money in your pocket, and some of the the items they're listing under assets, those aren't assets at all. They're not putting any money in your pocket. They're just dead. They're they're taking money away from me. And that's supposed to be a liability, isn't it? Because that's the way she's learned from cash flow. So we have to be careful, right? Like, there's there's a way that we're going to potentially expose our kids to information that could be contrary to what we're teaching, but giving them a framework in which that they can understand what is true. We talked about this before. Why is it that the Secret Service is so good at being able to pick up on uh, counterfeit dollars? Because they study the real thing. So how much time are you and your, your family studying what it's like to become financially free? Don't let those conversations go by so that they don't miss the opportunity to learn along with you. It's okay that you don't have all the answers. You're here. You're learning. You're you're in a community of other people who are learning. And we're super excited that you are. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you had not already taken the time. Um, rank and review the show. Uh, That's a way that we can share this with other people who are looking for the same sort of information that you've gotten. And also, don't miss the opportunity to come and join us in January the 6th through the 8th, 2023. We're going to be live, and we're going to be exposing you to these ideas and opening up our network, giving you ideas to become financially free in 2023. Have an amazing day.